glad that you're here this morning. We're going to start our time together with a couple questions. You know, we want to always learn things, and, and as you come to Sunshine, I think it's all, I'm going to give you some information today. You're going to walk out of here saying, I should have stayed home. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I know Easter's coming, and uh, I just, uh, what, kind of all this stuff around Easter kind of I wonder about it like you know like things like uh, the Easter bunny what's that about I mean you know is there like a, a Christmas bunny too and, and a fourth of July bunny I mean do these bony bunnies bunny bunnies <laughs> bony bunnies and do these bunnies have these holidays all wrapped up and you know I think about that I think about you know the uh, rabbits that lay eggs What's that about? You know, and Easter baskets and jelly beans. Well, I understand jelly beans. And, uh, but, you know, I want you to know that I have done little or no study on this, but I believe I have the answer. Are you ready? Cadbury. Do I have an amen? I can't prove that, but I realize that we're living in a day, you can say what you want, you don't have to prove it. And... That's the day we're living in, and so I'm just telling you, it's Cadbury. And uh, that's, I just want you to think about that. As you walk out of here this morning, you'll be able to have that little thing tucked away. I learned something. I came to church, and I actually learned something, so we want you to have that. The second question I want to deal with this morning is, how is it that something that happened 2,000 or 2,000 years ago has such an impact on our world today? Next week, over a billion people are going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, it's important to understand that this is a historical fact. It wasn't done in secret. It's not something that kind of snuck up on people. I mean, they were aware of it. I mean, all Jerusalem was aware of it. I mean, all the Roman Empire. I mean, they tweeted everywhere about it. They would have, wouldn't they? I mean, that would have happened. They'd have emailed, tweeted, blogged, uh, whatever else they do, that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, today we're living in a day, uh, I mean, you know, it used to be uh, years and years ago when I started in the ministry, it was so wonderful to go visiting people because I didn't have a cell phone, and then I, I didn't have a page. Their, their pages were, I mean, I, I was actually in the car, and I could go visit people, and no one could get a hold of me, and so it was a wonderful experience. Now, you are never alone. I mean, you're electronically hooked up, and if you have a cell phone, People know where you are. Don't think they don't. But uh, so I'm sure back in that day that would have happened. All the newscasts would have dealt with the reality of Jesus uh, raising from the dead. And so it, it would have been very much a part of what went on in that society. There's over 15 historical references to Jesus raising from the dead. I mean, one time he fed some guys some breakfast. And in another situation, uh, over 500 people uh, were there when he spoke. And so this is not something that was done under a bushel, if you will. This was not done in secret or in the dark. This was very much happening. And so this morning, I want to talk about, so what does it mean? That's what happened. So what does it mean that Jesus rose from the dead? What, uh, what really does it mean? And, and, of course, next week we're going to talk about what does it matter about why in the world Jesus raising from the dead. Let me give you three things real quick this morning about what does it mean. Number one, Jesus is who he claimed to be. That's what it means. The Bible says in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus made some outrageous statements when he was here. 
When you follow what he was saying, he made statements that were, he made statements like, I am God. He actually said that. He, he said things like, I am perfect. I'm the only way to heaven. I mean, I am the Savior. I mean, this is the kind of statements that he was making. And, you know, I get around some folks when they're trying to kind of compromise the situation. They'll say things like, well, Jesus was a good teacher. <laughs> if he was saying things like that, I'm not really sure that's the case. I mean, you know, you think about that. I, I could be um, going around in Port Charlotte, and I could go to the different schools, and I could talk about the reality of, of being moral and having ethics and all that kind of stuff. And probably folks would say, well, you know, that Baal's guy, he's a pretty good teacher. But if I started saying, I am God, I'm not really sure that folks would be that, that uh, favorable to what I was going to say. And so what I want to tell you this morning is this. Either Jesus is who he says he is, or he's the biggest liar the world's ever known. You know, I think it's important this morning to understand there's no middle ground here. You know, uh, he, you know you've heard, have you been to Sunshine very many times? You know, I'm not really big into religion. I don't care what you call. You may be a different brand or a different brand of a religion this morning. I'm not really into religion. I'm very much into relationship when it comes to God. And so he made these kind of uh, statements. One time in the uh, New Testament, you'll find that he uh, was in the temple. And they had, uh, they had taken the temple and they had put it into a situation where they had turned into a gigantic flea market. And, I mean, they would be like the Punta Gorda flea market. You know, they, they had it all set up. I mean, people would come in, and they'd sell them all kinds of stuff. And, you know, you can imagine where that probably went to and all kinds of things. They certainly, I'm sure at the beginning, they were trying to sell them things that were unique toward the, the offerings, but things got kind of out of hand. And, and so they just kind of got a really, it became a very commercial thing. And so Jesus came in one day and threw them all out. You know, have you ever seen a picture of Jesus? No Kodaks back then, was there? Or no cell phones. They, I mean, everything's on cell phones. But they, they really wasn't, there wasn't any Kodaks back in that day. But have you ever seen a picture of what people say Jesus looked like? How about that one? He always looks so effeminate to me when I see those pictures. And yet when I read about the stuff he did, I mean, he, he, he got a whip together and he beat those people out of the temple. You can imagine what kind of fury that must have been. I mean, what, I mean you think about he must have had such a presence that when he said, get, you got. You know what I'm saying? He must have been such a presence. And when I think about, uh, he, you know, there's some people that walk into a room and they just immediately command your attention. Well, I believe he was that kind of individual. And so he threw these people out of the, the temple, and they said, well, what right do you have to do that? He said, because I'm God. That had to change the going on around the area. I'm God. He said, well, prove it. He said, I'll do it. And you're going to kill me. In three days, I'm going to raise from the dead, and that resurrection is going to prove that I am God. So it's important to understand that Jesus is who he claims to be. That's what it means. Number two. Jesus has the power he claimed to have. The Bible says in Matthew 28, 18, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. He never ran out of steam. How about y'all? As I have gotten more mature, I find myself working harder, slower, suffering longer, and getting less done. How about y'all? My get up and go has got up and went. 
I mean, I'm a legend in my own mind. <laughs> You'll get that eventually. I mean, I, I really think I can do stuff, you know, and, and, and what's funny is my kids think I can do stuff too, and, and I, I'll get phone calls from my daughter up north particularly. She always, if I'm going up to Greenville, it's always stuff for me to do. And I, I hate to say, first of all, I don't want to do it. Your brother's up there. Have him do it. He's better anyway. But some reason she feels it. So every time I go up there, we put in a sink in the last time we were up there. Time before, we, we put in a deck in. I'm telling you right now. You know, I'm thinking, what is, you know, I find myself, I really have a desire to do it. No, I don't. And I ought to have a desire to do it. Maybe that's what I should say. I ought to have a desire to do it. And generally right now, I keep doing it. I, there's going to come a day, she's going to call back and say, Dad, can you do so-and-so? I said, let me let you talk to your mom. That's always the answer. But Jesus doesn't have that problem. He doesn't have a reserve, a reserve uh, supply because he doesn't need a reserve supply. I mean, he has all the power that he possibly needs because he is God. And so it's important to understand that. What does it mean? He's going he's to do what he says he's going to do here. The Bible says this in John 10, 18. No man takes it, my life, speaking of Jesus, from me but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. You know, no force is going to keep Jesus in the tomb. It's not going to happen. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know what I find out? Even though it's not going to happen, it doesn't stop people from trying. It's amazing. The inevitable is going to happen, but here the, the Roman soldiers, they killed Jesus, they put him into a tomb, they rolled the stone over, they put a Roman seal on it, and they put all these guards to make sure he wasn't going to come out of the tomb. You know what happened? He came out. He did exactly what he even said he would do. He came out of the tomb. And so I, I think it's important this morning to understand that he has all the power that you need and I need today to live this life. You've come here this morning and there's some things in your life that they're having some difficulty with. Uh, maybe you need a job. You know, I think God cares about that stuff. Maybe you're here this morning and there's some physical problems that you have uh, with you or with your family or you're going through some, some struggles in your, in your marriage and you're going through some struggles with your children and sometimes you, you look at all those things and you get so, so fearful the Bible says this, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. But it doesn't stop us from being fearful, does it? It comes into our life, and you I don't care how spiritual you are, how your walk with God is, this is something you have to deal with. And how do you deal with that? You deal with it by the word of God. You don't simply say, oh, I can handle it. You know, I found about handling, as I get, particularly I get more mature, the stuff I think I can handle handles me. See? And just because I'm older in the Lord doesn't mean that Satan doesn't still fight, doesn't still try to do all he can to derail me. And one of the ways he does that is to bring fear into your heart. Sudden fear. And when you, the only thing that will spell fear is the word of God. When you realize what's happening, the attack you're going through, what you have to do is use the word of God. The Bible says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear and of love. He gives us a spirit, not the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of sound mind. So here, here, guys, if God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, who does? Where does that come from? 
I think it comes from the flesh. I think it comes from Satan. That book of Ephesians talking about the fiery darts. I think that's what that is. I think that suggestion, those little bit of suggestions that go there. And so when those things come into our hearts and minds, we need to realize that you know, God, we can come to God because God has the power. He is not powerless. He is powerful. And whatever your problem or difficulty is this morning, first of all, let me say this to you, God cares. That's pretty cool. God is aware of what you're going through. You don't come to God. Have you ever tried to talk to someone and tried to explain something to them and they weren't going to get it? They just You knew they weren't getting it. I mean, that vacant stare. It's like having children. And you say, take out the trash. And you know what, you, you know what happens? What? No comprende. You know, don't you? I'm so glad, though, that, that you know, when I go to God, I say, God, you know, I'm having a problem over here. He says, I understand that. I'm facing the situation. I got it. And I can come to him, and I can, the Bible says, I can cast all my care upon him. You know why he cares for me? Because he knows me, and he knows what I'm going through. I'm telling you right now, guys, what's it mean, Easter? It means he's got the power that's needed to function in a powerless society today. It bothers me to get around people that call themselves believers and living like a bunch of heathens. Do not live below your privilege. What is wrong with you? Well, you know how things are. No. No, I don't. I, I know how things ought to be. And he's the one who ought to be in control. And I find generally when things are starting to get derailing in my life, it's because I've let him go. I heard someone say one time, if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? What's it mean? Last thing is this. I like this one. I'll read it, then I'll give it to you. Mark 10, 34, they, they shall mock him, they shall scourge him, they shall spit upon him, they shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Jesus does what he promises to do. He keeps his word. That's a novelty. You mean someone that's not going to simply spin the truth and be politically correct? I find myself not really good at that. I don't like... I want to be correct, but the political thing has a problem for me. But we, but what that simply means, what we, you know, is we want to, we don't want to rock the boat, and we don't want to say anything that offends people, and we don't want to do anything that would that would cause a hurt or a problem or difficulty in anyone's life. And so, therefore, what we've got to do, you know what, you know what, uh, political correct means? It means Christians shut your mouth. That's what political correct means. Just shut up. It's amazing. The only, the only religion that we don't mind offending is Christianity. Everything else, we don't want to offend them. I want to tell you right now, guys, we have a, a Savior that keeps his word. 
the cross that was coming into Jesus' life prior to the crucifixion was not a surprise to him. Uh, you'll never see Jesus uh, even uh, there uh, in the garden when he was uh, asking God, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. You never seen Jesus saying, man, I don't want to do this. This is just too much. He knew what was going on. You know what, you know what I believe was happening? We got a chance to see a little bit of his humanity. He was 100% God and 100% man. Very unique. And I believe from time to time when the scripture kind of pulls back the veil and kind of gives us a little bit of understanding of what's going on, we kind of see that humanity because he was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. And he suffered the things that you and I suffered, but he didn't give in to them. Why? Because he's God. And he has the power. And he'll keep his promise. He'll do exactly what he says he will do. Matthew 28, 5 and 6. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen. As he said, come to the place where he lay. He did exactly what he promised to do. This morning, what does it mean? It means that he is who he says he was. He has the power to do the things he says he can do. And he will keep his promise. And here it is, guys. John 10, 9. Very important scripture when it comes to this area of a relationship with God. He says, I am the door. I am the door. Uh, John 14 says, he is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Very similar situation. He is the door. He is the way. He is not a way. He is the way. You need to get a hold of that. He's not a way, he is the way. He is the truth. Now listen to me. If he is the truth, then everything else is not. You understand what he said? If he's the truth, then everything else is not the truth. Listen. You need to hear what that, what, how, how impactful that is. There's no wiggle room there. There's not... Someone said, oh, preacher, there's many ways to heaven. That is stupid. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. That is stupid. That's like me saying, just punching a phone number, you'll get me. There's many phone lines to bales. No, there's not. There's only one, 625-1273. That's the church, by the way. <laughs> you know, you say, don't you answer your phone? Not much, you know. Why, did, why didn't God give us wives? Jesus said, I can feel, I can, I can feel the uprising going on right here. But anyway, guys, uh, He's the truth. And if he's the truth, everything else is not the truth. You've got to understand what I just said to you, how powerful that is. All this, these different religions, not true. If he is truth. So you've got to get a hold of that. He is the, he's the way, but he's also the truth. This morning, his desire for you, the Bible says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. 
Not maybe. Not hope so. When I, get, when, I, when I quit doing some of this stuff in my life, then I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to, Jesus will save me. No, no, no. He said, listen, if, if you go through the door, which is Jesus, and you'll, the Bible says, but as many as, many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, you shall be saved. That's not Baptist doctrine. That's the Bible. That's not Catholic. That's not Pentecostal. I don't care what you call yourself this morning. That's the Bible. You're going to go to heaven, that's the way you're going. And there's no other way. I didn't say that. He said that. He said, I don't like it. Don't say it, Bill. Don't. Okay, I don't care. I don't care whether you like it or not. We're not here to win friends and influence people. We're here to tell you the truth. Because the truth will set you free. Political correctness will not. It'll keep you in bondage. And so this morning, and I think it's important that you get a hold of this. Why? Why are you doing those egg things? Well, you want to give people an egg and get them to church next Sunday? You know why? Because I believe the Bible's true. I think there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I'm not trying to make them Baptists. I'm trying to make them believers. I want to at least give them a chance. I'm not going to theological with you for that situation. But, I, but I, my responsibility, I'm not in management, I'm in labor. My responsibility is to go into all the world, preach the gospel. We could do it with a carton of eggs. We have a lot of cartons. Uh, we are blessed. Our quiver's full. I mean, we, we, we're doing good there. Yeah, I'm about done. Don't, don't, be, don't feel comfortable if I'm folding this next, last sheet up. Don't, don't feel like I'm done. I'm going on for longer than that. Guys, uh, God brought you here today for whatever reason. You've been a sunshine very much. You've heard me say that. I believe in divine appointments. I don't think you're here by accident. I think God brought you here. I'm not sure what he is going to do in your heart and life. You know, uh, if you're a believer, uh, I'm convinced the Holy Spirit lives within us. He is the teacher. He's the convictor. He's the one that gives us direction, uh, wisdom, all this stuff. I think it's very important. And the Lord may be dealing with you something that I may not even have talked about this morning. But the the Lord's dealing with you. Of course, you've had me say this, heard me say this many times. Why don't you listen to him? What's he saying? Maybe you're here this morning and there's a big decision coming in your life and, and you're struggling with it. He's got the power, guys. He can help you with that. You're here this morning and, and uh, you're not real sure about eternity. You think you're going to heaven when you die. Not real sure. You hope you're going to do that. Well, the Bible says that's a very dangerous way to live because of the fact that the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, these things, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. These things, not my life, my abilities, my gifts, the word of God. My faith is based in the fact of this book. When I place my faith in the fact of God's word, and I understand that I stand before God as a sinner because he said for all of sin and can show the glory of God, well, I understand that God loves me when he says, but God commend his love toward me and that while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. And 
I realize that, you know, the, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I understand that. I understand that he's the door. And if I would simply ask Jesus Christ to come to my heart, the Bible says that I will be saved. So this morning, if you're not sure about that, then I, I challenge you. Uh, if you don't want to come, that's fine. But, but, but I challenge you not to, not to put this off. You know, someday I'll. I'll get around to it, which means never. We're studying the book of Acts verse by verse uh, in, uh, on Wednesday night services, and, and we're getting ready to talk to a guy named King Agrippa. King Agrippa, was Paul gave him the, the, the plan of salvation, and King Agrippa said this, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He went to hell. Unless someone talked to him later. Because he decided, I'll do it another time. I want to tell you right now, we're not playing games. Heaven's real, hell's real. We got a job to do. It's not a pleasant job. It's not pleasant. But we do have an answer that will change people's lives and give them a reason. A reason. Not simply to go to heaven, but a reason to keep living. Let's stand for prayer if you would. This morning I, I challenge you. Don't be like King Agrippa almost. I, I'm pretty close. Pretty close is it's not there. This morning, if you're not sure about eternity, you need to, you need to talk to someone. You, you know, in just a moment, we're going to extend the invitation, and maybe you ought to come. Let us take the word of God and show you how you can know for sure heaven's your home. And you may be here this morning, and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about something different than what I've talked about. I challenge you this morning to come, and let's take, the, let's take some time up on the altar and kneel before the Lord and say, God, help me, whatever the, whatever the situation is. I pray you'll take care of it this morning. Father, thank you for loving us, for being so patient with us. Uh, thank you, Father. We know the resurrection means a lot. It means you who you say you are, you, the, the power you've got, it, the claims you make, you do them. Father, the promises you've given, you keep them. You keep your word. There's folks here this morning that are struggling in their life. There's, uh, maybe they're struggling with their marriage or they're struggling with their children. There's a struggle in the job situation. They're struggling. I pray, God, that this morning you'll just uh, you'll speak to them. You'll deal with them. Help them have a meeting with you this morning and change. Whatever the need is, Father, we pray that you'll, you'll just work in our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to just sing a verse of invitation. Actually, we're just going to sing one verse of invitation.